The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron, joined as always by one of my good friends in his very beautiful Save Our Pro Wrestling t-shirt. It's Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello, Aaron. Yes, thank you. Wearing my Tokyo Joshi Pro colorway of the... Uh, Sanrio collaboration with various Japanese dressing promotions. Uh, sure went on a long journey, was somewhere in the Pacific for approximately three months. Um, and what do we think? Are we going to, uh, you know, expand your intro here to say uh, exclusively devoted to Ali wrestling and Impact Pro Wrestling? Is that the plan? I will not be doing that. Um, I Unfortunately, I'm going to have to, uh, I'll, and I'll explain at some point we're gonna have to break my initial pledge in which i stated i will not be watching any fucking impact uh as nate recognized of course this was an homage to uh the alexander Payne film sideways um i think i did i make a reference to that line the merlot line like in the first month of this podcast more than a year ago and then no you, idea man and then you internalized it i think because you really i feel like that happened maybe maybe some of our hardcore or longtime listeners maybe table has that on an excel some spreadsheet somewhere i'm a big fan of sideways uh so it's a it's a line that i've often that i've long loved um although in fairness i haven't seen it in many years so maybe it's bad yeah, no, I don't think I've seen it since, you know, maybe it's initial DVD release. But that line does have a distinct energy that is not captured by, you know, a lot of other uh, cultural touchstones. True. Very true. Uh, I am going to have to break that pledge, but I do not intend to be a regular Impact viewer. I mean, that sounds miserable. Can't imagine regularly watching Impact. So I don't plan to do that, really, no matter what happens. But we'll see. I mean, uh, I think... Someone pointed out the show is called Everything Elite, so I may be forced to do it. Uh, we're also joined by a man who I don't think will force me to watch Impact Wrestling. He doesn't even force me to watch all of Dark if I don't want to. It's Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, no, I'm not going to force you to do it. You're a grown person. Uh, I I would like to state that... Uh, Sideways is probably my fourth favorite Alexander Payne movie, but I think he is either canceled or was canceled. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it was something that uh, back in the days of election. But 
I, I, I when I saw that line and when I saw you tweet that initially, I, I did imagine you start screaming out about Merlot. So it didn't make my <laughs> it didn't make my day. And you're gonna have a busy Tuesday, it sounds like ahead of you because you because you'll have dark right into it. Like I, I are you emotionally prepared for that? Uh no, I'm not emotionally prepared for that. Uh yes, it does <laughs> it does appear that Alexander Payne uh is canceled. Um what but regardless of that <laughs> What uh, uh what else is he known for? Uh election, Just, uh descendants, Nebraska, oh, about the, 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 the film election. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I thought you meant around this election. No, no, okay. no, no. I see. Okay, so Mike, uh hit yes, me sir. with your hit me with your top four then I guess Alexander Payne films. So I think election number one. Then okay, I'll allow it. Then Nebraska. Then I don't uh, th- I ever did I see Nebraska? It's old old guy black and white. Was that that one? Yeah, with uh, oh, yeah. Will Forte as no, the I never saw this one. Pain analog, and then Descendants. You know, I, I I as as it's pretty well stated. I'm someone that whenever I see something that's like out and it's like away from society in a way that like Hawaii, even though it's like its own distinct society, it, it does seem abstract in a way for like most i i I would say like most of the world in a way like seeing like that shot there and i thought it was like beautifully shot and you know had bow bridges as a beach bum on it but not the beach bum a harmony current movie starring texas's own matthew mcconaughey welcome to mike's movie corner yeah i hated the descendants uh probably my least favorite alexander payne film you you see about schmidt might be my least favorite one about Schmidt, probably my number one Alexander Payne film. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, we can at least agree on election, though, so that's good. Yeah, I think it's just uh, election and then sideways for me. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about sideways. Um, the, the, the thing yeah, of which the, the quote was with, <laughs> the bit was referring to. Well done. Well, we'll yeah. we, We've been here for precisely five minutes and we're already off the rails. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to know more about my uh, movie takes, you can follow us at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, ya. make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Make sure you are giving a rating interview, a five-star rating interview. If you use the Apple podcast app, if you want to support the show, best two ways to do it are go to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up, subscribe, or uh, go over to my bookie and use the promo code elite for hundred percent deposit match. We're going to do things a little differently on this episode. We are not going to play Elite or Delete. We're going to mix it up slightly because, you know, frankly, two big things happened on this show. We might as well just hit those off the top uh, and then we'll run through the rest of the show like we normally do. And of course, talk about ratings. So let's start with uh, the main event of the evening. Kenny Omega is your new AEW men's world champion, the most powerful gamer in the world. And uh, there was quite an interesting angle at the end of the show where he, Don Callis helped Kenny Omega to win the match. And then Kenny and Don ran away, um, passed everybody backstage into a waiting vehicle. Before they could get there, the intrepid reporter, Alex Marvez, stopped them to get some info and uh, Don Callis informed him that they would learn everything on Tuesday night. That's right, Tuesday night. 
on Impact Wrestling. So, uh, Nate, bud, what did you think of the main event and the main event angle? Uh, I thought different things about these two events. Uh, so I, I watch as, uh, as, as listeners may know, I watch on fight TV, get the international feed for the show, which means I don't get the ad breaks, which means that I got all of the down moments in this match where these guys were clearly just waiting for the red light to come back on so they could continue, uh, working up to their, their TV standard of quality um i i thought this match was just tremendously boring um i could not believe uh how little they were doing for large swaths of it like i was just sitting there going i can't believe that these guys in what is the biggest individual match on this television program of their nascent wrestling promotion didn't have more ideas or more big setups uh, planned for the early parts of this match, or at minimum, just want to go out and do everything faster and harder than they did. Uh, And like I said, I don't know if this was exactly the same experience as on the cable broadcast. I get the broad impression that uh, a lot of people did like this match, even though uh, certainly other people were critical of it. Uh, But seeing like them just dicking around on the outside, repeatedly doing like half speed throws into the guardrail, doing crowd brawling with no crowd uh, and, you know, chops for like what felt like 20 minutes. Uh, it just took me out of it. And I was just like, okay, uh, I guess I'll come back when there's a finish happening because this is a snooze. Um, the finish was controversial. I think that was the intent. I think it succeeded in doing a big angle when you have a big audience which is wise, uh, you know, to try and stoke interest going further. And I think it's an interesting angle. I feel like it was pretty well received outside of the hardcore wrestling bubble. I feel like your more casual wrestling fans probably think this is super interesting and fun. I, I kind of think it's pretty fun. Uh, we haven't really seen an equivalent sort of promotion versus promotion story or uh, you know, promotion invasion or, you know, one promotion screwing another promotion uh, in the modern wrestling landscape on, you know, a big stage like cable television like this. Uh, maybe the last significant one was Ring of Honor versus CZW, and that was, you know, considerably more small time. Uh, I just kind of think the angle would have been more exciting if the match had been more exciting. I do. I watched it back today and the kind of one of the funny takeaways I had from it was it kind of seems like JR is the only guy that understands what's going on when they're calling it and Kenny wins the belt and they start like fleeing to the back and Excalibur like I don't know kind of seems to step behind where JR is like guys no this executive from this other company just came in screwed over our champion and is running away with the belt and he's the only guy who really seems to, to understand that which is uh, you know, maybe unexpected, but kind of amused me. So, yeah, I, I, I think it was kind of successful, kind of a, an exciting takeaway. Uh, certainly a big swing for them to do here on their big show. Uh, but I was 
you know, I had a little hard time getting as up for it as I would have liked because the match just put me to sleep. You know, that's, I was actually really interested, Nate, in how you would have seen this match because I watch it through YouTube TV. I get the TV commercial breaks, and it was something that I was wondering, like, oh, is Nate going to have a completely different view of this match because he would have been able to see it uninterrupted? And to be honest, like, even the picture-in-picture stuff, like, it, you, you could see what they're doing, but you can't necessarily, like, it's hard to judge truly if it actually is like wasting time as you as you see as you saw Nate versus us where you just see people hitting each other and doing stuff you're like I don't know if this is really happening but there's this little box on the screen that I'm following I guess oh wait this ad has pulled my attention oh I might want to go get make myself a cup of tea like it's one of those things that I was interested in hearing that so it's I I find it fascinating that it came across like that and I wonder, especially because like the crowd reaction and all of it, I wonder if you if someone was there in Jacksonville in the 44 degree weather of Jacksonville, Florida, and if they were in the audience, if it would have felt more of like the moment, it would have felt more like this like huge match. Whereas to me, I see what they were going for, but I don't know. It, it, it's not that I think this match was terrible. I think that this match was doing a very specific kind of match that either is contingent on you being in the crowd or being in a kind of show that benefits it. I don't know if you can do these epic matches on broadcast TV, whereas you can on pay-per-view. And that was kind of my big takeaway from the match itself. Uh, interesting that like JR was the person who kind of had his head like understood what was going on and like he had like the last line of going we were jobbed and it was just kind of like all right it's actually a pretty decent call from jr being able to notice it and being the one of like i know what's going on here whereas excalibur was kind of flapping on commentary not understanding and tony Schiavone, i mean he kind of just after sting came out nothing else in the show really compared to him like nothing was going to phase him so it's interesting and i know ab you have some takes about this relationship forming or whatever this relationship is with AEW and Impact and like the value of it and the idea of viewers. But it's interesting to me and it's something that like the finish I think was awesome. I think that over the last uh, few months we've definitely been seeing that Kenny Omega is a heel who does not believe he's a heel. And now he's doing like distinctly heelish things and he... Uh, it was just like completely just was like I'm so intent on winning the title that he was willing to bring in an old mentor to slide him a weapon and attack it. It's very, I, I don't think it's kind of like a bullshitty finish. I think that that actually is pretty effective in the way. And I think it's going to be real interesting now seeing that we have Kenny Omega coming out like in nice suits and sunglasses and trying to do like the whole like flare act. And now you kind of have, him as the the big kind of old school heel and i think that's gonna be interesting to watch i guess my my biggest disagreement with you mike is i kind of do think the match was terrible like i'm not sure that it there is not there was nothing interesting about it at any point it didn't do anything new it didn't do anything exciting it didn't really even play into the story that they told leading up to it i mean i know you had i mean it's kind of a cute thing to be like kenny Oh, 
leave the garbage wrestling at home. We're going to focus on wrestling. And then he wins with a weapon. Like, I, I get that. But if you show up on your, your big TV show and you got 30 minutes left on TV and you're telling everybody this is going to be a 30-minute long match, which it essentially was, maybe 25 minutes, you have to do something early to subvert the expectations of the crowd, of the especially of the TV audience, uh, so that the match is more interesting. And, and, and that's what I was saying about I don't think this match works on TV. Yeah, no, it, it, this match definitely doesn't work on TV. Uh, but, like, you know, they did classic limb work that went nowhere. They did the stuff outside, as Nate was talking about, that it just wasn't... We've seen Kenny Omega do much cooler things on the outside in a wrestling match. It's like, when he when he jumped up on the guardrail, I was like, oh, okay, Kenny's going to break something out cool here because he always kind of does this spot. And then he didn't at all. So that was that was pretty boring. And then the finish, I like the or the idea of it makes sense to me. But the story has been that John Moxley is like the biggest badass in the world. And he got laid out with a fucking microphone. I mean, I just don't really I don't see what that does for John Moxley in any way. Yeah, that part doesn't really bother me because, you know, at least he hit him with the microphone, busted him open, and he was also like spamming knees into his head. Yeah. Like that, that's maybe the, the defensible part of the match to me is, oh, it's really cool when you just fucking knee a guy in the head over and over sure. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know why, what the purpose of taking 22 minutes to get there was. That was, uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think Kenny especially. It has a reputation for being creative. Uh, Moxley has had a pretty good year. I just can't believe they didn't have more ideas just for something to spice up the first act of this match. I mean, I know Kenny wouldn't want to do this, but the story is that Mox out-wrestles him. And so he has to do, do the cheating to win, like in the end. Like that would be the story to me. I can I can figure out what they were going for. They spent so much time outside. I guess the one big idea they had was they're going to do the chair punching duel. Oh yeah, and yeah, I'm not sure how that plays into Kenny wanting to, you know, prove that he's the better in inside the ropes wrestler. And yeah, the the, the you know the the finish at the end makes sense. You know, he's exposed as a hypocrite because he has this guy come in uh, and uses weapon and cheats to get the win basically. So if that makes sense for him as a heel. Uh, you know, wasn't that effective in the moment because the, everybody in the crowd just wanted to see him win so bad. They just gave him a big face pop. Uh, right. And then Excalibur was like, that was unbelievable. It's like, no, you're, you're missing what's supposed to be happening here, X. Um, but I will say, I'll uh, I'll give them credit that if you're going to do, again, I think it was smart. If you're going to do a big angle, do it on a, a big show where you're going to have a lot of viewership. Uh, if you're going to do a fuck finish in a world title match, which, you know, you've pretty much avoided trying to do things like that. They did it on television and gave it away for free. They didn't make you pay 30 bucks to get fucked out of a finish. So uh, I think that was also a, a pretty smart way to play it. Um, yeah, I just, you know, maybe cut off the first 10 minutes of this match. Put anything else in there. You know, get your Shaq promo that didn't appear. Get Jade Cargill somewhere on the show. I don't know. Fill that time. And then just have this match go much quicker, be much hotter, and then have the angle feels hotter. Yeah, and then your then your threat of an overrun works, right? If if you start the match with ten minutes left or whatever, or fifteen minutes left. Yeah, maybe not ten, but you know, not forty. <laughs> ten would have been okay for me, but sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, moving. Up, I'm sorry, you got something else on the match, Mike? 
Yeah, and this is kind of an overall question that I've been pondering and something that really I've kind of noticed since All Out. Do you think that sometimes this company, like dating to like the FTR matches and dating like to this, to this do you think that this company like does not necessarily know what matches to do at the right time? Because I feel like now that this is like a third one, like the the FTR uh, Hangman and Omega match at All Out, which was a grinding match in front of like n- people that a crowd that was absolutely dead. The the FTR Bucks match, which I know that I am much more the bottom on this, but it was very much kind of just like a match that did not seem like it fit the time and place. And then now we have them trying to do a frankly New Japan epic main event with a fuck finish on broadcast TV. Do we think that, like, they do not seem to... And, and this might just be me, and I'll totally acknowledge... I, I just think I just think they give all to, all matches too much time. Every match is too long, is, is my basic philosophy on it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, well, it, I think they give the wrestlers, uh, like, slightly too much freedom. It's, like, fucking, it's fucking Super Dragon Arrows out here. Everybody goes out and wants right. the time, yeah. It's like, yeah, do whatever you want. Here, how much time do you guys think you need for this match? Okay, that sounds great. It's like, there's got to be some parameters, I think, more so. You know, and that leads me into the angle, which I've been trying to think about, okay, what are the reasons that this would make sense? And, you know, sometimes you have to apply Occam's razor, even to pro wrestling. And I was... I get, we'll put him over a few times on this show, but I was talking with uh, Brandon Howard Thurston earlier today, and we kind of came to the kind of came to the conclusion that the most likely uh, explanation here is Kenny Omega is buddies with Don Callis, and Tony Khan lets the EVPs get away with about whatever they want to. Well, and so he's doing a thing for his buddy. Yeah, I'll I'll push back on that on, on one element because uh, the Young Bucks did an interview where they said that they've been asking Tony about doing this for like two years. Like since the promotion started getting planned, they're like, Hey, we should, you know, get something going with TNA with impact. So uh, I don't think it's solely uh, a callous Omega relationship thing. Uh, I think that's probably what facilitates it. But I, I, I think there's, there are other people elsewhere in the company that are, you know, want these relationships to have real impact on television. Oh, how many times am I going to say impact on my show? <laughs> well, but th- then let's think about other you know, potential ways that this makes sense. And then I, the only other way is from a business perspective, right? And so I started digging in because I had a, a theory, a hypothesis, I guess, that I wanted to either prove or disprove, which is, is it possible that AEW looks at their data and sees Impact? Now, we know Impact doesn't do a ton of viewers, but Impact has some viewers that we're not getting. So is it possible that if we go on Impact, we could pull over a nice little chunk of viewers that have not yet been exposed to our product. So I start digging into uh, the viewership numbers and uh, Brandon Howard Thurston gave me a ton of excellent stuff. Uh, Brandon over at uh, WrestleNomics, if you're not familiar with Brandon. Uh, And basically (laughs) from the, the charts and whatnot that he provided to me, Impact, now they do 150 or so thousand viewers per week. So... And that's like hardly any of that is in the demo. They do 50 to 70% of their viewers are not between 18 and 49. So they're either under 18 or 50 plus. And Brandon's take was that 50% or more are 50 plus of the impact viewers. So 
I guess you could say they want to bring over, you know, let's say a hundred thousand of those people have never watched AEW. Well, yeah, if you tack on a hundred thousand to AEW every week, that's a nice little number, right? I mean, but it doesn't really change any outcomes for them. So it just seems to me that it's a a very high risk thing for AEW. And I'm not sure there's much of a reward at stake for them uh, because Impact's not going to help them pop their numbers. They're going to do a, it's going to be a huge boon for Impact, for AEW to show up there. And I think you really run the risk of getting stuck with, with that old TNA stink of like letting that <laughs> infect your promotion a little bit. So uh, I just worry about how much impact is going to end up. You know, the first thing we see is like every wrestler on both rosters being like, ooh, let's try to shoot our own angle for this match <laughs> with somebody from that company. And so I don't know how much of that is going to happen, but it does make you worry. Like if suddenly fucking, I don't know, who's like, I don't know who the worst person in impact is, but you know, if crazy Steve suddenly shows up on AW, like that's not going to be good for anybody, right? Yeah, so I think I, my answer kind of goes to what Kenny Omega said in his recent interview with uh, Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, and I tweeted some excerpts of this the other day. Uh, and, you know, at the time, they were talking a lot about New Japan. And Kenny was, you know, even specifically saying, oh, you know, this makes me think of, you know, ideas I would have for Ibushi or Okada or whatever. Um, but he said, you know, they're going to do some more wild out of the box things or, you know, try new ideas in an effort to grow the audience. Uh, so that would fit with your sort of theory here. Uh, and also said that they believe that doing stuff that really excites your most hardcore wrestling fans also benefits the show and, and leads to growth in some way. So I think that's probably their philosophy. Like I said, we don't get large uh, you know, interpromotional stuff on American wrestling television and haven't for ever, uh, you know, in a meaningful way. Um, so that does kind of make it exciting in a way that just, you know, doing the same stuff with your own roster week after week uh, just can't, you know, doesn't have that uh, same outside element that kind of spices things up. And I think that just must be the idea. They want to say, they want to differentiate themselves in the WWE and say, no, we're, you know, we're, we're serious about saying that we're willing to work with everyone. We're not, you know, uh, uh, trying to be like this isolationist wrestling company. We actually want to have relationships with other wrestling promotions, do interpromotional stuff and work together in a way that makes sense for us. And that's a good, I think that's a good way to differentiate themselves from the competition exactly because we haven't seen it on American wrestling television. Um, will, the impact stink infect AW. Uh, possible. It's possible. I think I would point to as a like encouraging sign that they brought in Matt Cardona for like three weeks and then we never saw him again. I think I think there's probably some evidence to believe that you know uh, there's a certain level of guy that that. AEW just doesn't think it's worth the investment. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. Sean Spears is like your counterexample of that. Like, <laughs> Matt uh, Hardy, too. Yeah. Well, Matt, Matt Hardy, I kind of get in a way. Uh, in a way, I don't get for Sean Spears. Like, Matt Hardy is like, you know, uh, Attitude Era legend, <laughs> whereas Sean Spears is right. like 
not. <laughs> I so. guess my thing is that AEW, one thing it has going for it as a brand is that AEW seems cool. And the people right. who watch wrestling think AEW is cool. Nobody thinks Impact is cool. So you you run the risk. I mean, and this is true of all brands, right? Like when you have a certain vibe to your brand and you do some sort of crossover with somebody else, you run right. the risk of fucking your own your own vibes up. That That's true. I will say... I think Impact benefits from the fact that nobody has watched it for however many years. Like all the, you know, the memories of TNA being terrible are like, you know, we're like halfway nostalgic for them now. We look back and look at all this insane bullshit they did. Um, so the fact that they've just like been in the shadows and trucking along doing who even knows what they've been doing for the last two, basically since Aces and Eights. So that Aces and Eights is the last time anybody. I think watched impact. Um, you know, I, I think that maybe inoculates AEW from it a little bit because there's been so much time and nobody knows whatever other nonsense they're doing. I think that it's, it always has the risk because impact does have this, uh, poisoned aspect. And I hate using the word poison cause it's not necessarily like the, the most fair, thing to say but i mean this is a brand that they've had to change the name because it was such a toxic toxic asset at one point and is there talent or are there talent pardon me and within impact that you could bring on to the AEW roster and immediately given an injection of talent an injection of energy absolutely absolutely is it something that those viewers that ab that you hypothesized that this was a play for this viewers is it something that could play out? I don't know. I kind of feel like this is very similar, but in difference in like a different Venn diagram as the whole forbidden door talk, you know, my least favorite topic in the world. But I think that it, it's kind of hard if you are a wrestling fan that's tuning into impact and not already be aware of AEW. I think I would argue that that sliver of their viewership is relatively small. And maybe it is that you're trying to get, impact viewers to get have a chance to AEW, but uh, I'm more of the belief that you probably already have a preconceived notion of whatever that the other promotions are, as we have this preconceived notion of what impact is now. So I, I, I guess like the, the one thing that I'm hoping out of this and the thing that I know Tony Khan has made a point of about developmental over the last week was impact could be a place for people that they view as prospects who are only, wrestling five-minute matches on dark, whatever goes on in the Nightmare Factory. And then I don't even know if there's any indies running in Georgia, so I don't think that's the case. It could be a place where like, you're, some of the people who need to get ring time can go get ring time, and ring time away from AEW. you know. So that's, I guess, what I'm really hoping for. And I, the, the whole like interpromotional thing, like I'm someone that like I don't have the rose color, colored glasses for either NWO and WCW. Do kind of for ROH and CZW, and then I've never really like UWFI and New Japan. Never really did it for me. So like I I'm I can say personally I'm not like super enthused unless it's like the Motor City Machine Guns showing up. I'm not really a sh- enthused on what a team impact might be in this in this thing if this actually ends up being this or if this is just a uh, Kenny doing a favor for a family friend. My my guess is it's less about taking impact viewers and more about exciting your, you know, DVR viewers, exciting your maybe lapsed or casual viewers 
just say, oh, wow, the, this other wrestling promotion is here. And, you know, somebody there's not a lot of like <laughs> public equity in or buy in into the impact brand. But it does like, you know, just the idea of they were for, you know, a decade, but like de facto number two promotion in the country. So you can at least point to them and be like, hey, the number two promotion now is like, you know, stolen AEW's belt and doing this. Maybe that's something that has some sort of cachet with elapsed viewer. You know, yeah, I, I don't know that there's a chunk of the impact audience that isn't isn't interested in that isn't already watching AEW. Or, you know, if they're watching Impact and not AEW, then I, I don't think this is going to turn them around and make them an AEW fan all of a sudden. Well, I'm sure there's somebody yelling at their at their phone saying, talking about Impact's women's division, which absolutely is a thing that could be uh, something that if, if Tony is willing to use that, if they're willing to work that out, that that absolutely. would be very good for yeah. AEW. But you can't convince me that a driving force of this relationship is so they can get Impact's women's division. On yeah, AEW. and also... Yeah, Impact has a lot of great talent, but also talent that you can't convince me AEW couldn't have signed if they wanted to. Um, and it also doesn't create more time on the show to have women featured, which is the real source of the problem. Yes. Uh, did you guys know about <laughs> Caleb Conley's uh, gimmick in Impact? Yeah. Well, I don't know what his current one was. He's a photographer, right? For uh, Tennille Dashwood, right? <laughs> Caleb with a K. Is yes. His name. Former yeah, member... Of the scene, he has a white T-shirt, uh, a scarf, yeah, and, uh, and a camera. For what reason are you just looking up Caleb Conley? I'm just looking at the Impact roster. I mean, uh, what reason would you not be looking up Caleb Conley in 2020? Also, Jacob Crest has one of the funniest fucking pictures. <laughs> his gear, his gear, is something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th that's like the yeah. other side about this is that we might get very dangerous amounts of Sammy Callahan in this promotion, which no one should want. I would pop. I would pop big for Sammy Callahan. <laughs> up. I would laugh so hard. We could get three fourths of Uncle John's friends on, uh, or I know three fifths, I guess, of Uncle John's friends. That'd be big. Uh, all right, I have one more take, and then uh, we'll, we'll move on from this. But I want to talk about giving away matches quickly. Okay. Uh, and here's my take on this. I think it's very simplistic to say, hey, they make a lot more money off TV than they do off pay-per-view. So it makes more sense to put these matches on TV. I don't think that's really the calculation. The calculation is you're going to make X dollars based on Y viewership, right? And you're going to make X dollars based on Y pay-per-view buys. So the question to me is more, all right, let's just talk about Omega Moxley, period. If you put Omega Moxley on this one show, how much more money does it make you in TV rights? My guess is $0. It's the ad split where they would get the variable different. Right. But I'm saying the, the key of like getting a bigger check from Turner is the is, next negotiation. It's the next negotiation, but it is right. ad split but that, right now. That is the yeah. modifier. Okay. Let me time. get the takeout. So <laughs> okay, sorry. The, the point is this. When they're going to do their next negotiation with Turner, they have to have built up many weeks in a row of higher viewership, right? If they have the same, now maybe they can already, based off the viewership they have now, get a bigger deal than they got originally. But the way to increase your uh, media rights is to bring in more viewers in the key demo, right? Mm -hmm. The way you increase pay-per-view buys is to put bigger, better matches on your pay-per-views. So I think it's more about how you how you deploy 
the matches uh, and the stories that you have. It's not just like one thing. Yeah. And so we make more money on TV, so we put all our best matches on TV. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I don't, I don't think you can characterize this as simply putting your best match on TV because they obviously built the rest of the show to drive forward interest in the whole product. They put the big match on here and said, hey, big match, going to be a big show, special brand on this show. Then they also had a Giant Sting show or a Giant Sting debut. They also had the Giant Angle at the end of the show. All of that is to catalyze more viewership going forward and hopefully like, you know, building a more reliable ongoing audience. So I, I agree with that. I think, yeah. I think you're right about that. My take is simply that you can't, the calculation is not, we make more money on TV than we make on pay-per-view. So let's do our biggest matches on TV. Right. But I think the calculation is if doing the biggest matches on TV leads to a larger share of the demo week after week, that probably is more valuable to them than popping individual pay-per-view numbers. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I assume that's, I assume that's their thinking too, just because that seems to be what they're doing. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pushing back on them. I think Tony had like some, some simplistic ways he, of explaining he, yeah, that. Yeah, he tweeted something that said that that's our premier, you know, outlet or something. Yeah. Right. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's, you got to look at it I a also, little more broadly. Yeah. I, you know, without them doing this match on pay per view, it's, and without us getting, you know, really good pay per view metrics, th- there might also just be a core audience that's going to buy every pay per view and the variability depending on the matches is not going to matter too much one way or the other. So, yeah, it's hard to say without without more data. Well, if you want to talk about uh, variability, that's what I think about every week when I'm going over to my bookie and uh, plugging in my bets for the week when I use the promo code ELITE to get a 100% bonus deposit match over there. Uh, it's a big week, Mike, over at my bookie. Uh, of course, I want to remind you, NFL's going on. College basketball's back. You can bet on that. Uh, I gave you... Oh, no, that ended up on the Patreon, didn't it? That, yeah, yeah, yes, it did. Pick hey, that I, had last week. I immediately went and did that. And, you know, AB, that's AB's winner of the week. Instead of being that's a joke right. of the week, it was a, the winner of the week. Yeah, I had Gonzaga minus four in that opener with Kansas. Uh, that was a good pick. Uh, my bookie's been pretty good to me lately. If you go over there and you put your money in, they run these, like, juiced bets very often. There were a bunch on Black Friday, and I went seven for seven on the juiced bets that they offered. Made a good little chunk of change. Uh, but the big one coming up, Mike. Oh, yeah. We got to get weekend, into this. Baby. All right. So as a lot of our listeners know, uh, AB and I are have become big F1 heads because of Drive to Survive, the uh, Netflix show. And we've become bigger fans of F1 over the last two years. And there was a big thing that happened this week as the seven-time world champion and fut- and seems like the future knighted. Lewis Hamilton tested positive for Corona and within F1, that means that he's not able to race this week. So who are they going to have race this week? AB it's the absolute boy. It's our guy, George, uh, George Russell. We were able to jump in on this, that if, if we, if this happens and he still has, he's, they had to take the odds off and now they've reissued it. We're talking about major tracksuit money here. Yeah, big, big money. So here, here's what happened. This is the first time I've ever been a sharp in my life. <laughs> when I saw that... Wait, wait, wait. We shouldn't talk about this more on air or else they might take the money from <laughs> I know. When I saw that Lewis Hamilton had COVID, I immediately ran over to my bookie to see what odds they had on the race. 
And one th- and Mike actually gave me the idea to do this, but George Russell, who's going to get the Mercedes drive, was at plus 300,000. So we got a little bet in on Georgie before they uh, took the bets down and, and or took the odds down and put him back up at plus 275. So uh, he's in the Mercedes. I know we're going to be watching it with, with great interest. So we'll see what I- happens. There's a good chance that after the holidays that I'll be walking on here with a Paymaker Posse tracksuit. Because if I win this, that's that's like, <laughs> other than like reasonable things, other than like yeah. entirely reasonable things that like a adult person in their 30s should be doing, I will be getting a Paymaker. Which, which you notice Mike cannot name. <laughs> I, I mean, paying off some paying off some bills, you know, paying off some credit card stuff, you know. But I'm going to, you know, I'm going to treat myself and I'll get a... Chris Jericho Paymaker Posse tracksuit. I've not seen whether or not you can actually get a custom embroidered because if it does, Ooh. I'm gonna put your old pal on the front. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing slab packs from Arena Club com the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one now when i buy slab packs at arena club it finally feels like i know what i'm getting i was able to open an arena club slab pack and and i'll be honest it was a lot better than what you normally do say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash v-o-w net arena club.com slash v-o-w net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about 
That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right. Well, uh, you know, if you weren't as lucky as us to uh, be an F1 sharp and pick up that bet, doesn't mean there's not plenty to do over at my bookie. So head over there, use the promo code ELITE, get your 100% uh, deposit match, and then, uh, you know, come chat with us and tell us about your big wins. We love it. All right. One more big topic from last night's um, AEW Dynamite. That's what we're here to talk about. The insane icon, Sting. Debuted, baby. Uh, I I saw a lot of different takes among our uh, Discord patrons. Um, Basically, if you grew up loving Sting, you probably were excited about this. And if you didn't, you probably didn't care. Uh, I don't know. I think it's cool. Also, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you would have had a little bit of a heads up that something big was coming on this show. And here it was the insane icon. Yeah. You might've, you know, listened to the, 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 the weight of our shows together. You probably had a good idea based on our fantasy booking of sting <laughs> entering the company that uh, something was afoot as well. Um, yeah. I was fucking pumped up sting rules. Uh, I don't, I don't recognize anybody that didn't like sting when they were a kid. I think that's an invalid position. Uh, Sting is cool. Uh, Sting looked cool coming out here. The snow was cool. The video was cool. The music was cool. It's a high point for AEW in-house music, I think. Uh, And I like just the simple thing they did where he came in, uh, you know, went around the ring and looked at fucking Arn, looked at Arn, looked at Dustin, looked at Cody, uh, and then looked at Darby. And Darby was the only guy who basically stood up to face him. Uh, and that's just a great, you know, that's a natural. If you're going to hand off the face of TNT wrestling, doing it from Sting to Darby is a, you know, great sort of torch passing, I think. So pretty interested to see if they can communicate that story in a good way. It's going, you know, it's, they're two like pretty, I don't want to say fragile characters, but they're like, you have to handle both those characters with a lot of care. I think, you know, my, my go-to example is like, imagine what they would be doing with Darby Allen in WWE. It would just not, it would be, you know, cringe and not at all. What's uh core to the character of Darby Allen. So you got to handle both those characters with a lot of care. So I'm interested to see how they're going to try and, uh, you know, advance and pay off that relationship. And I, think that a lot of the disparity i think between the groups who are either like holy shit it's the franchise sting and oh it's this another old guy is like this is in a promotion that i think has treated for the most part for the most part treated legends icons like the insane icon real estate steve uh pretty well and especially him being back on tnt which was very much like WCW and Jim Crockett, I mean, he was the franchise of that. Like, it was the thing that he never left. He never he never wavered and the whole thing about that. And then immediately having him, by all indications, either have some sort of program or some sort of 
guidance to someone like Darby Allen, who in a lot of ways is like other than like the, the obvious ones, but kind of being built up in a similar way and is treated kind of like how Sting in like the early 90s was treated by WCW and then into like Crow Sting. Like the idea of like they're two very similar kind of personalities. And I think that I think that's very compelling. I think that this is something that I trust this company maybe a little bit more than others with handling someone like Sting. Because Nate's absolutely right. You have to treat Sting with, like, there's a level of care with, like, these roles. And it's something that sometimes it really works. Sometimes it's, like, Arn Anderson in his, in his Waffle House menu. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I think that that was definitely, like, the big moment, probably more so than Kenny Omega. I mean, ESPN straight up tweeting about it. Like, it's one of those things that, like, he is someone who has a certain thing that, like, if you're going to have someone like seeing walk through the door and show up on your show, you're going to take that opportunity at least for like a big show. So, I mean, I, th- I think it was an absolute, like, I think that no pun intended. He having seen here and the Sting and Darby thing, they both knocked it out of the park. Oh, Wait, uh, baseball bat, baseball bat. Oh, right, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's all. It, it was a long walk for no pun intended, but um, <laughs> I do, if, if they are making a play for TNA viewership, then, this is another good, you know, because that guy was basically put TNA on his back for, you know, again, the better part of a decade or something. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Sting does have some cachet that the other legends don't have. Uh, a lot of that is because he stayed out of WWE for so long. Um, and I, you look, he, he his the YouTube views for this are above the Moxie Omega finish, uh, and the comments are full of people talking about how they're in tears because Sting came up. So. Yeah, I uh, you know I I I think this motivates a and excites a big part of wrestling viewership and fandom that is not you know in our little smirk bubble or whatever. Uh, I mean, smirking has gone too far anyway. So preach. Yeah, I I just I still have enough faith in them that they will handle this well. I mean, I do get a little worried when I hear Tony Khan confirming that he's signed to a multi-year deal it's like i don't know if i need to see like three years of steam <laughs> well i mean what is that what does that really mean I, I maybe he's wrestling i don't know but oh i don't think so. i mean i hope not i don't think I, so but if he is but on if the not, roster page but if not what does that really mean i mean it means they're going to put out merchandise for him and make money on that they're going to put out action figures for him and put him in the video game like i'm pretty sure they're going to get their money back on on that stuff and not for whatever they signed him to uh and yeah, you know, he had a WWE Legends deal or whatever and seemingly let it lapse yeah. uh, in favor of doing this, which just makes him fucking cool. I don't know. He's, he's cool because he never went to WWE for so long. Eventually, he was forced to because they were literally the only game in town. Uh, but now we've seen the error of his ways. To quote our friend Kara, Sting was always cool. Sting was always cool. Sting was like the first... I don't know. I mean, really, Darby's like at the intersection of those, the the Sting and the Raven. Right. Just that that cool thing you never got from WWF back in the day. That WCW gave you whatever that whatever that was. Yeah. I I, I mean, y'all know I grew up in a WWF household. Like I did not watch any Nitro whatsoever, but I did get the WCW video games because they're so much cooler than the WWF ones. And I played the hell out of Sting because Sting was always like so. So even as like someone who was not like a fan of him, like I was like, no, 
this dude walks around. He has a baseball bat. He does the uh, he does the sharpshooter. He splashes people. And he does the reverse DT. Like he owns. So Sting was always cool. I have this very specific memory of loving Surfer Sting and getting the like. It was like the face paint, but it, you like adhered it to your face. You know, it like stuck onto l- your face, l- like a face mask nowadays. L- l- like like a uh, yeah, basically. So I got that and I put it on and I just have this specific memory of walking through my grandmother's house and realizing like, this is shot. Like I can only use this one time. Like (laughs) I'm going to have to just like wash this off and then it's going to be gone forever. And it was just like such a brutal lesson for a, for a young AB. Yeah. That speaks to, you know, uh, uh, the beauty of things that are temporary and Mm. how, you know, it burns brighter for only lasting so long. Uh, you really have to, in those brief moments where you can be staying in your grandmother's house as a child, you really have to <laughs> be staying in your grandmother's house as a child to the fullest. You do. But it's also, I guess, people who were older than me got tired of it. But to me, Sting Crow was the coolest shit in the world. Or Crow yeah. Sting, rather. Uh, was the coolest thing in the world. I was pumped out of my mind every week to like see him up in the rafters. Couldn't wait for the payoff. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. I've kind of always thought sting was cool my whole life. So I'm excited. Uh, and as uh listener and patron, Aaron Quinn said, uh, her elite pick of the week was Tony hitting another great moment in his comeback by getting to call stings return to TNT. Uh, Aaron said that it was perfect. Yeah. It's, other- it's, it's one of the, one of the good ways that AEW plays off the past, uh, in you know, trying to reclaim whatever part of wrestling's history is just having Tony out there being excited about things and like finding joy in you know little wrestling moments or or what have you. And yeah, Tony getting getting to call a Sting uh, appearance was just delightful. You you just ha- I don't know what it is. I I don't even know. I feel like I probably wouldn't like him on a personal level interpersonally, but I do like him as you know some. Uh, some avatar of of a guy, a, an older guy in wrestling that's like still finding his joy in it, his wrestle joy in AEW. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> uh, o- Ogan also thought Tony Schiavone was elite last night. Uh, he said, uh, Schiavone's call after the suplex into the heaters. Quote, those things are very hot. <laughs> just one, just a comment on that. Up. Uh, why is it that always in John Moxley matches there are like massive fake props that they go through? Because it's like the fifth time this happened to it, and it was so funny. Like at this point, that yeah, 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 those things are real hot, and you know they built it out of like a cab set. Yeah, it looks stupid. <laughs> Which I kind you know kind of works. It's like oh, he was faking the injury injury anyway to set up the interference, so it half-assed works. But in the moment, it looks stupid, and I was like, "This is stupid." Anyway. And then to have like a doctor spot after that, like shitty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just bad. Uh, a listener, delete uh, patron. I always mess this up. Ooh, woo, WFI. <laughs> uh, deletes having to pirate Impact for one Kenny segment. <laughs> it's on Twitch. You don't have to pirate it. Oh, you that's have, true. But you also have to like deal with like a apparent like a webcam of melissa santos in the commercial break going yeah that was a uh, something right there <laughs> l- l- well, like there's l- like there's like times that like she's like in her kitchen like making dinner 
apparently. <laughs> That's sick. Uh, thank you to Uwu WFI. They're a, uh, a loyal patron of the show. We appreciate you. Uh, ratings time. Uh, 913,000. So, <laughs> I don't know. We All right, have let's we, get into this. We still haven't seen the show Buzz Daily, right? I, I'm so, going to do a quick refresh right now. But as of the time of recording at 7.36 Eastern Standard Time, post-Meridian, we do not have the full ratings. <laughs> so 913,000. We know this thanks to uh, the god of this shit, Tony Khan. A point And, and Wade Keller. And Wade Keller. Both of them. That's have. right. A point four two in the demo. We don't know where that ranks on cable, but they're up from a point two six last week. Presumably Mike's going to tell us in a minute uh, if that's or how recently they were at a point four two. NXT, a 658,000 total viewers, uh, which was down from last week on Thanksgiving, and a point one six in the demo, which was also down. So uh, they got their asses kicked very badly by AEW this week. Yeah, so on this spreadsheet that is provided to our patrons at patreon.com slash everything elite, the last time that they had a P18 to 49 that was this high, as I'm verifying, and I'm, I was right when I thought that, was actually week five of TV. Week Wow. Was, yeah, yeah. So so, so this worked. Oh, no, th- this absolutely worked. Um, j- just a couple things that, that are worth mentioning about this. Uh, this comes from friend of the show, uh, Brandon Thurston. AEW and Raw, according to data, he was able to get tied in P18 to 34. So this worked. This absolutely worked. AEW beat NXT and men 18 to 49 by 7 to 1 ratio. This worked. And the interesting thing is, and one of the things I wanted to see, Aaron, and that's why I was quickly reloading. So before the... Okay. (laughs) Mike's reloaded. I don't get the reference. (laughs) (laughs) Way off, way off camera. Nate just goes, Jesus Christ. Uh, Scarface. It's a Scarface reference. God, I've actually never seen Scarface. Jesus Christ, Mike. I, I know I deserve that. Uh, De Palma, not one of my directors, not one of my guys. But uh, the reason why the you, point four... You lived in Miami for a time. Yeah, I lived Miami. De Palma also... Okay, relax. <laughs> De Palma also not one of my guys, but I did watch uh, Scarface on maybe my second week in the dorms because somebody was watching. <laughs> I, I mean, there were enough kids in the dorms with Scarface posters that I was like, you know what, I'm good here. But back to my, what the point I was going to say. The point I, had, four- I, had a, I had a poster of the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen film New York Minute. <laughs> <laughs> I had American History X, and it was only because the person that they uh, put me in a dorm with put up a fucking Confederate flag on day one when he moved in. So I put up a Nazi, an anti-Nazi movie. I, I had uh, train spotting the whole Chew speech. Yeah. Classic. And a Big Lebowski poster. Speaking of uh, train spotting, did you guys see Raku's new train spotting account? What you guys don't know is that the last maybe three things Nate has said, he has literally run off from off camera. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to talk about ratings, so I was going to talk about it. I, I, I have like one is, rating point that I want to Raku, make. Which is Raku's train spotting account? Yeah, it's good. Can I make my one rating point and we can move have on? You seen, and have not- you seen the account, Mike? No, I don't. Like the only people I, I follow in Tokyo Joshi Pro are Kamuyu, who might be related at some level. We still don't know about why she. Okay, was in I think Ohio. she was here on an exchange program. I, I, I know, I, I know, but I'm giving her Southern Ohio valor. Um. Okay. Well, yeah. Go check it out. Up Up Girls Raku has a new account for 
trains and trade related content and uh we love it okay so the point four two nate go ahead and say i I know you're i was going to i was going to be like it doesn't have anything to do with heroin uh like train spotting the film uh then i decided that was better left alone and then i came back and said it anyway all right so the point four two is the reason why that's interesting is the Last week, that before, like taking last Wednesday out because it was Thanksgiving Eve, so two weeks ago, if you remove the NBA draft, a point four two would have been number one on cable. So that's why I was reloading and trying to see if I could see that is because I wanted to see whether or not what their placement is. Like, I expect this to go pretty high. And yeah, that's it for rating talk. You can come back now, Nate. Uh, well, one more rating point is that I'm going to be interested to see. This is one time I'll be interested in the uh quarter hours because i want to see if like did a bunch of people show up after sting showed up on the show or did a bunch of people show up for the main event i'm just i'm curious to see how they got to such a big number okay let's run down the rest you of the wanna, show we, we want to make some predictions for if kenny omega draws people to watch impact wrestling uh sure i mean he will yeah it, i mean it's it's for sure going to be their highest ever number on access i think that's without a doubt yeah I mean, yeah, it depends how many people have access, I guess, and how many people watch it versus Twitch. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The last week the last week I have uh, from Brandon's data is the last week of September. Okay. When they had 168,000 viewers. It looks like their high in 2020 is just over 200,000 viewers, 207,000. That was actually in 2019, the last week of 2019. Okay. So that's a, basically the high water mark. My number, I was going to go with 250. I'll, uh, I'll adjust that to 260 is my number. Okay. Wow, he's going big. 215. The Go Big Show. The Go Big me. Show. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fuck it, uh, three hundred thousand. Wow. So, so are we going to do this prices right rules? <laughs> yeah, closest without going over. Hell yeah! All right, let's go. Wait, no, that's bad for me. I, they'd have to get over yeah. three hundred. Hey, no, we, we we already agreed on this. We already agreed. Just closest, just closest, closest to the pen. All right. Uh, yeah, closest to the pen. I like. Wait, that. Th- then if we're doing closest for the pen, th- then somehow if he pops like four hundred thousand or six hundred thousand, then AV wins. Yeah, I would he also should, win he under. Should. He should also win if, he, if it, they pop that many viewers. <laughs> I would also no, have won under win. Prices Right rules. No, because I said two. Yeah, <laughs> another great point. <laughs> you, but you're discounting the fact that this could not do anything, and they could just have like 115,000 view, viewers, and then I would In win. which case, you would win, and you would not win under Prices Right rules. That's right. This actually benefits you, Mike. Okay, fine. <laughs> if any, I should be the one complaining because I'm the one that's boxed out on two sides. Well, you picked, but, you picked first. True. I'm ultimately going to win, so I'm not worried about it. Okay. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I was trying to think about Brian De Palma. <laughs> I, I I like the movie Blowout. Blowout, but I mean, it's a remake. I, thought I did. I, I, I like Blowout also. I watched Snake Eyes pretty recently. I think Snake Eyes is my favorite De Palma one. I want to be clear that Scarface is a bad movie. Like, it's not good. Not but... a Scarface fan, really. I mean, granted, again, <laughs> I haven't seen it since second week of freshman year in the dorms, but yeah, it's not very good. But uh, you know, it's just a, I don't. Know, I like gangster movies, so it's fun from that perspective. Snake Eyes takes nothing. I don't think I've ever seen Snake Eyes. That's the one to watch. Might be on Tubi. <laughs> I, know Tubi. I know what I will be to be doing tonight. <laughs> 
That that was a real reach. That don't encourage me. That was terrible. That that that, that was Mike's that was Mike's joke of the week. That was I liked it. That was heinous. I apologize. I, I, I apologize. I will listen and I will do better in the future. I'm hearing oh, you. All right, the diamond battle. Okay, was this a battle royal or a battle royale? They usually Does it go with matter? battle royale. Does it, it does. matter? I think they want it to be battle royale, but people okay. have been coached into saying royal. All right, I'm going to say the diamond battle royale. Uh, the finalists, if you don't remember, the gimmick here is the last two people then have a singles match to determine the winner of the diamond ring. Uh, the finalists here, MJF and Orange Cassidy. Orange eliminated Wardlow last. Uh, just before that, MJF pushed Sammy and Jungle Boy off the top rope to eliminate them. Uh, Miro had a bunch of eliminations and then was very mad at the end and they had to hold him back after the match was over. Yeah, they're really pretty reliable at laying out these battle royales in a uh, satisfying way where you get a whole bunch of story threads um, and people you know, facing off or going at each other that have ongoing issues. Uh, and they did that here. They did that with uh, you know, some teasing of, is this going to end up with MJF and Wardlow going at it? Uh, you get MJF and Sammy, who, of course, uh, are in a unit together but hate each other. Uh, you get the ongoing best friends and Orange Cassidy with the stream team feud that continues to escalate. So, yeah, I was uh, really satisfied by all those things. And, you know, for the most part, they, it's not a bunch of standing in the corner and waiting for one spot to happen in the middle. It all happens, I think, pretty quickly. I think that, with the exception of the tag matches, might have been the thing I liked most on the show. Like, I thought, like, that they moved ahead storylines pretty well. It, it is something where it's just like, all right, that it did have a bit of an air of, well, we want to get more people on the show, but we've already blocked out time. Let's do a battle royal. Conveniently enough, it's, it's one year to the date of the first uh, uh, Diamond Dozen Battle Royal. Uh, my, my, my big thing was the crowd loves John Silver, and they booed relentlessly when John Silver got tossed out. Like, one of the first big reactions of the night. In a crowd that, I mean, I think it's been kind of overstated, but it's it was 44 degrees outside, and the crowd was pretty good for this entire show. And the first thing I noticed was this this crowd. John Silver, the, the BTE uh, crossover, the idea that BTE gets people over, it, it's now a law, because John Silver is over. Yeah, that was another... the. The Hangman and Beaver Boys interaction and then Hangman and Dark Order stuff, I think, is a uh, a more encouraging development in the Hangman is sad storyline. The idea that he, you know, might find like genuine friends in the Dark Order or whatever. Chris Jericho defeated Frankie Kazarian with the Judas effect. Uh, after the match, Sammy and MJF uh, were pushing each other. Everybody kind of got into it. Jericho got on the mic, told everybody to stop. He said, this is not what we talked about. You have seven days to think about this. Then I'm going to have an ultimatum. And ultimately, we're all going to work together or we're going to break up. Really like the pace that the MJF and the Inner Circle story is moving at. I'm glad this escalated to this point already. Uh, and, you know, I put it over every time. Sammy always brings like a genuine, sincere sort of energy to this stuff. And he seemed like genuinely pissed and at MJF. And it was a... Uh, Really good bit of consistency of with MJF threatening to throw in the towel like he did with Cody. Um, yeah, I was I was really happy with how this played out. Yeah, I feel like the storyline stuff was a lot better than the match itself. Like that, I feel like the match was just yeah, yeah, 
but I'll be I, I like how they're accelerating this and they aren't just trying to just be like everyone is making nice. I like the idea that even after the uh, Vegas stuff and everything that there still is this and you know, I think that's it's something where I I was wrong. I we're probably going to be see the end of the inner circle one way or another pretty soon. I feel like there's been a pretty effective way of uh getting people over in the process of ending a unit. Yeah. I mean, uh, Sammy is undoubtedly, uh, undoubtedly a bigger star than he was when the inner circle formed. And so what else can you really ask for from, uh, from a unit like this? Oh, if I have a thing you can ask for, if Sammy's going to be the big guy that you have coming out of this as the baby face against MJF, uh, maybe Sammy should beat Matt Hardy in their feud right before Matt Hardy turns heel for no reason. <laughs> okay. Yes, that's true. That's true. But I, I'm glad that they're going to mix this up. Like, I'm glad that the inner circle, it doesn't appear, is just going to linger on for another two years, you know, like uh, Aces and Eights or whatever. I didn't watch that. I have no fucking clue how long <laughs> that lasted. I just sat it. Aces and Eights is still going, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Young Bucks are with Alex Marvez. Uh, they say, people are saying that they're the number one tag team in wrestling. Uh, they're going to be fighting champions. They're going to wrestle TH2 next week. They say TH2 doesn't really have the resume for a title shot. But if they beat us next week, then they can have a title shot. The Acclaimed come out. Is it, this is the first time we've seen The Acclaimed on Dynamite, right? Yes. They're on Dark all the time. So I'm uh, pretty familiar with these nice young men. Uh, Anthony Bowens of The Acclaimed makes fun of the Young Bucks book. Uh, Max Caster, as is his want, does a rap. Uh, Matt Jackson suggests that perhaps someone has already done this gimmick because he's rapping and he's got a big uh, chain on. And then uh, in a very poorly timed out thing, uh, the acclaimed are like, maybe you should look behind your back. And then three to four seconds elapse, and then TH2 attack the Bucks. Uh, I didn't didn't notice that gap. Um, always very amused when the Young Bucks do incest humor, as you can hear more about on the Patreon, because uh, they've, <laughs> they've done it a couple of times on BTE, and it always is just the weirdest Great thing zone. to me in a, in a funny way. Um, but yeah, this was uh, this is a, a good little spot to put the acclaimed in, I think, and introduce them, give them some mic time off the top, which they aren't inclined to do with, you know, tag teams in this in this division at large, I suppose. Uh, and yeah, it's a good good comeback for the for the top guy, Young Bucks, as well to be like, hey, that's uh, you're taking another famous gimmick. I don't know if you noticed that. So yeah, pretty short but sweet little effective segment. Would love more short but sweet segments on the show. I like that how this th2 versus young bucks feud is kind of building up and now i guess you could pull in top flight versus the acclaimed into this as well that could be a really fun eight man tag if they decide to go down that route um ab as someone who's seen a lot of the acclaim on dark did this kind of feel like the acclaim part fell flat a little bit in a way like that like it did not come off as well as they as the actors come back come off on dark because i i was kind of like this was not what I was hoping for when they were introduced to the main roster. I kind of think the acclaimed is more of a dark act than it is a dynamite act. That said though, Matt Jackson pointed out that it's, this is very reminiscent of John Cena's uh, not original gimmick, but second gimmick. And you know, that sucked at first too. And he kind of figured out a way to make it work. So these guys, especially caster caster is clearly charismatic. So maybe you let him try this out. AEW has proven willing to let people try things out, let him try it out. And maybe he grows into something on TV. Right. Yeah. Again, I, I give a lot of leeway to 
guys making their first promos or doing their first acting on national television. Um, and I, I, I was having not seen them uh, very much on dark. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. They got, they got some, got some energy. They got some confidence. I, I can get behind that. And if, uh, even if you had watched dark that you would have seen that they've improved from when they started on dark. And this was kind of a step back, which makes sense. The first time like on live national TV. Yeah. So I still think even for what we've seen on dark, there's room for them to improve. Uh, I'm just not sure that like, it's tough to come out and then like do a rap at your opponent before the match. Like it's hard to make that not a little bad. Yeah. It, it's certainly a lot easier to do when you have a full crowd that can, you know, react yeah. to the punchlines. That's really what worked for Cena was the punchlines. So. Uh, next up, Britt Baker defeated Layla Hirsch with the lockjaw. I just wrote mouth submission. I thought Mike would catch that, but luckily I thought of it. <laughs> well, uh, well I, I didn't catch again. it because we spent, <laughs> I spent like the last hour before the show frantically reloading show buzz daily. So I didn't get a chance to. So no, no, I'm surprised you didn't, you, the fact that you put down mouth submission instead of mouth stuff actually impresses me. <laughs> uh, after the match, Bunderosa attacked Britt. So we're continuing with that. Uh, I'm a little worried, though. Wait, did, Thunder Rosa didn't win the belt back, did she? The NWA belt? No. Okay, well, good. We don't want uh, AEW's Undertaker involved in title matches, so I'm glad this feud continues. I thought the pull part was pretty strong, the match itself. that It was uh, uh, not, not so good. I kind of agree that Britt Baker doesn't really need a belt. I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but... Sting did kind of eat her, eat her lunch because he is now AEW's Undertaker. That's true. Um, Britt is just, is just um, she's just not that great of a wrestler. She's improved a ton on everything else that she does. Even her wrestling's gotten a little better, but she's just always going to seem like someone who's been wrestling for eight months, even though she's been wrestling for eight years or whatever, five years. <laughs> Mike gave me the the high sign there. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I I didn't have anything else to add. I was just going. I think it's five. <laughs> I think it is, but I wanted to do the, you know, what eight months, eight years, you know, that thing. Team Taz had a video just uh, telling us what they've been up to lately, and then that led into uh, Darby Allen and Cody defeating Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, Darby got the pin on Ricky after a coffin drop. He tagged himself in on Cody just before the finish. So I, I knew as I told all our good friends who uh, subscribe and listen to light that something was coming here for Darby. And I was like, Oh, is he doing like, is this like a heelish thing where he's like tagging, you know, kind of the way they did with hangman page with Kenny. Uh, he's like, Oh, he's tagging himself in to get the, or I guess with the bucks more uh, to get the pen, but that doesn't seem to be what happened here. Uh, in fact, the way that like Cody played it was almost like they planned it out. I mean, Cody didn't like did the dive. So, oh, but this was uh, the best match on the show. It was a lot of fun, especially the Darby and Hobbs segments. Yeah, and I thought the the finish was really strong. Yeah, this was just, this just rocked. Like I thought that this was really effective. I thought that Darby showed how to play a babyface in peril and actually how to make it seem like it means something, have a crowd behind him. And then Hobbs looked great here. Ricky's always solid. And, you know, it just – this felt like a pay-per-view quality tag team match. Like, this is something they've been building up for a while, and I feel like that it was incredibly well executed. I felt like the uh, – we talked about the sting part of the post-match, but I felt like the post-match 
as well was really well done. And it's going to be and this probably at this point is the the thing in the promotion I'm, I'm most interested in seeing is how all these threads have interwoven themselves and how it's going to play out. Yeah, I've been saying for a while that the Team Taz Darby thing is the best thing in the promotion and continues to be. Here, Hobbs beat down Darby after the match. Arn intervened. He started getting beat down. Dustin came out to help. Then Cage was out. Uh, they're all about to kill Dustin. Not not uh, Arn, obviously. He's already out of the picture at this point. The lights go out. A video comes on. There's this great music that Nate alluded to earlier. And then it is Sting. And uh, yeah, Mike, not Mike, Nate pretty much uh, described already exactly how that went down of him. All the stare downs. Uh, but yeah, it looks like he and Darby will uh, have something going forward. Uh, and then Tony Schiavone announced that Sting has been signed to a multi-year contract. So uh, yeah, it was a great, great segment, I thought. Then uh, Hikaru Shida backstage with Alex Marvez. He asked why she was reluctant to engage with Abaddon last week. Shida says, I'm not afraid. She's just a girl doing zombie cosplay. I do cosplay sometimes. thought that was a great line from Shida. Uh, there was a loud noise, and then uh, it got very bizarre here as Sheeta asked Marvez if they could do the segment again, and he said, no, this is live. And so Sheeta was kind of just spooked and left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh... I mean, there's going to be, you know, I'm sure people are like, oh, you know, the champion shouldn't be afraid of anyone, uh, you know. I, I think it's fine. She's going to overcome it and win the match, so it's probably not that big a deal. It's maybe a little goofy in the moment to have her react to someone dropping some dishes or whatever. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of use for the Abaddon character broadly, so whatever. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll come back around for the next feud. I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, it's something that. If anything on this show, people should be like, oh, you're being derivative. Uh, I think Hikaru Shida being spooked by someone and being like, oh, the, your Bayface champion is spooked. And like, the, the, this is getting a little bit too much into like the Fiend territory in a way and people's reactions to the Fiend. So, yeah. Uh, I think it'd actually be cooler if they if they just brought the Fiend in. I think <laughs> that would be good. Um, I, I really don't mind it. It's like, whatever. I've Right. They don't yeah. take the division seriously, so I really can't take it all that seriously at this point. But just like the, oh, can we redo that? I was like, why? What was the point of that? I just hated that. And, and then her getting spooked and leaving. Yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think that was them trying to sell that she's scared, but she's trying to not sell it and pretend she's not scared. So they're trying to, well, how do we communicate that with, you know, someone whose English is not her first language? It's a pretty high degree of difficulty, all things considered. So, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Uh, John Moxley's backstage. He says when he touched down today, he could feel the tension. He knows it's a big night. He talks about how far AEW has come. This was only an idea two years ago, and people were saying he was washed up. But then he bitch slapped the wrestling world across the face. Uh, then he said Kenny Omega and he have been on a collision course because they're the two best wrestlers in the world. They're battling with swords on top of a mountain. I guess referring to the uh, the art that was going around <laughs> or some other fanfic, I suppose. He says the contracts have been signed, the promos have been cut. Only one thing left to do: go out there and make them go absolutely banana. Then the AW Men's World Title, which we've talked about, Kenny Omega defeated John Moxley with the One Winged Angel, and then they did the uh, the bit at the end with saying that they were going to be on Impact on Tuesday. 
I think you you kind of had a uh, environment before this match where both these guys were contenders for being wrestler of the year. And now I feel like I'd have a hard time voting for either of them. It yeah, l- l- like this was deflating. Who's, who's the next candidate? Naito would uh, be your new Japan candidate, right? I a uh, Nuruki Doi, Dragon Gate, uh, Mayu Yotani. I think Mayu deserves consideration. They haven't done good enough business. I mean, I mean, that's yeah, why. the 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 you know the business indicators did great for these guys on this night, but. Yeah, it's so hard for both these guys who have had other great matches this year. Yeah. Really, I mean, honestly, maybe the top two contenders for Wrestler of the Year come out here and just, like, don't have a good match. It's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I don't know. Like, has this really affected me that much? I mean, I've already submitted my Mikasi ballot, so I'm pot committed to what I have. So, And John Moxley was not my Wrestler of the Year in that. So, He didn't even make the top three. You know? Just yeah. amazing. I, I, amazing I am betrayal. what I am. I, I am what I am. I, I did have a, I did have the Revolution Tag match as my number two match of the year. So, okay. People who uh, do podcasts with me often betray the promotion <laughs> they do a podcast about. So, I guess uh, it's not new. But before uh, we move on, a quick update. Uh, just This just came in. Uh, I was wrong earlier about the P18 to 34 that AEW tied. NXT, uh, AUW's P18 to 34 was 181. Uh, Rawls was 192. Just new information came in and wanted to clarify it. I want to be clear, though. You previously said Brandon Howard Thurston gave you that information, so he was wrong, not you. Uh, I'm looking at a Brandon Howard Thurston tweet right now, so he's oh, corrected wow. it, so yes. Okay. All right. Well, we should also mention that as they were going to black on this show, Eddie Kingston was yelling that he wanted Lance Archer for some reason. <laughs> Very bizarre uh, at the end of the show. Uh, But that was Dynamite for this week. Uh, If you want to support this show, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. It's a brand new month. It's a great time to subscribe. Uh, We got lots of good stuff planned for this month. Uh, This week on Monday, which was still part of November, uh, we dropped EE Movie Night. The Wrestler, SB and I talked about uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we, of course, did light on Wednesday, as we always do. I dropped uh, the big fat scoop. Mike and I previewed Dynamite, reviewed Dark. Nate gave us the vlog quick hits uh, with including incest jokes. No, and I don't think this one had any. I think last week did, right? You just sold us. You just teased that you yeah, could go over incest You're talking jokes. about this week's episode, and I don't think this week did. All right. Next week on the Patreon, I think we decided on this, right? We're doing awards next week? Well, okay. I, I think we're going to do this thing where we did last year where we'll do a show talking about our nominees. And, of course, it'll be left open to our patrons. And then we'll talk about the awards after they close. What did we decide on the name of these? Were these we didn't call these the elites, did we? No, I think I, I think we didn't decide on the name. And I pretty much hate every name that anybody suggests. So I think we should just <laughs> not have an award or not have a name for it. Okay. The okay. Everything Elite Awards is fine, I think. Yeah. I kind of like the Tonys. I think that's funny. Yeah. It'll be for Shivoni, not Khan. <laughs> what about the Shivanis? I could be talked into that. I think that's I, that's I can that's, be talking to literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like a further walk than the Tonys, which right. makes it funnier to me for some reason. <laughs> it, it 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 makes you think a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, 
We'll be covering, uh, you know, all the highlights from the year in AEW on that show. Uh, and, if, and if you are a patron, you'll be able to vote on those awards. Basically, we all nominate one each. But we nominate four total, don't we? Is that yeah, we do. Well, yeah, we, we we each nominate one for each category, oh, and right. we come to a consensus to nominate the fourth. That's right. And then our patrons vote, uh, and uh, yeah, you got to be a patron to vote on those. So do that. Really, uh, really a, a pretty interesting and uh, effective little system. I think I'm pretty happy with it. I agree. It went well last year, uh, so I'm excited to see. I'm I'm sure we'll just have the same um, categories that we had last year, so we can start building a, a canon here, a lineage. Of- Yes, of EE Awards. I'm looking forward to that. We have the Discord, of course, uh, which is a very fun community. So we would love to have you. Uh, there's three tiers. The middle tier, the $5 tier, will get you all the audio we do and the 100-plus shows we've done over the past year. So go check that out. And we have some other exciting shows planned for this month, but we can't uh, spoil them or tease them, I guess, just yet until they are uh, ready to be teased. Uh, next week. Oh, that's patreon.com ready, everything ready to be teased just the way that you looked like when you said ready to be teased just <laughs> don't mind me don't mind me okay next week on dynamite this is ready to be teased uh the dynamite <laughs> wow fuck the dynamite diamond ring <laughs> mjf versus orange cassidy young bucks versus th2 dustin Rhodes versus 10 the inner circle ultimatum ftr versus the varsity blondes the new team of Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. What do you guys think of this name? Fine. Brian Pillman stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean that Jacksonville Blondes was what I was, we were kind of colloquially calling them, and that would have been cool. Yeah. But Farsi Blondes, I, I get, oh, yeah, that's because uh, Griff Garrison is the Ivy League MVP. There we go. Yeah. Okay. He, he played D3 football, I think. That's kind of a... Uh, you know, kind of like how the the Midnight Rockers was like a synthesis of the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. That's a yeah. that's a cute little synthesis of two classic tag teams, I guess. They should they should bring in Steve Austin to manage them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they should do that. <laughs> that seems easy enough. To Steve was smart. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Abaddon will be in action, and Sting will speak. I'm not sure that's a great idea, but it's going to happen. He, as someone pointed out, I was checking out the YouTube comments, which I'm getting into now uh, on, the, on the Sting debut. <laughs> Sting, <laughs> Sting had a really good run of promos when he actually went to the WWE for that little that, that little program he did or the programs he did. Uh, un, underappreciated Mike guy, I think now. But maybe it's, that might just be an effect like when Goldberg showed back up that they were the only guys who could speak like human beings so they they sounded way better than everybody else on the program sure uh but i i trust the stinger i trust the stinger i can't believe you i mean you're absolutely right mike that they've put him on the roster he's got like a record underneath him so that's terribly concerning a, a guy with he's spinal fine. stenosis there it's not a thing anymore daniel bryan came back edge came back they just put these guys in you know a little one of those cartoon tanks that goes up to their neck and they stand in one of those for a few hours, and in like eight months, you're fine. No, I don't, I don't care about that. I just think it's going to be very bad. <laughs> That's more. Oh, no, of my it's going to be. It's going to be good. Yeah, we're apparently going to find out. It's so. going to be. It's going to be Cody and Sting against fucking. No, it's going to be Darby and Sting. I mean, Cody's Cody didn't Cody team with DDP. Cody yes. has to get his match in because he fucking loves Sting. That's true. So. 
Darby's the Darby's the big finish. It's going to be Darby versus Sting in a singles. Ooh, Maybe. there we go. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> well, if you want to see other stuff that uh, Nate makes up, follow us on Twitter at everything aw. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating and a review, and support us, please, by going to Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite and subscribing. Uh, and also going over to my bookie and using the promo code elite for a 100% deposit match. I think that's everything for this week. We'll be back next week. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. See you then. Okay.